0: Chapter one of the house of mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of Mystery by Richard Marsh. Chapter One Scent Packing. Click, click, click went the typewriters without the day was miserable the rain came down in torrents the wind blew from the river right through that side street off the strand within the office on the top floor of the building the girls fingers went click 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 as they typed for their daily bread there were five of them four worked one sat idle a girl with her masses of red-gold hair and a face so beautiful it seemed strangely out of place in that bare room so beautiful indeed that its beauty startled the beholder despite her shabby dress big violet eyes looked from under heavily fringed lashes pouting lips framed a rosebud of a mouth the cheeks were white with trouble aye with want of food and yet the skin gleamed like satin the brow was broad and lofty the nose which was small and arched with delicate pink nostrils lent to the countenance an expression of pride and resolution this was a girl who would not easily succumb who would fight the battle of life with the best of them who would hold herself undaunted if needs be against overwhelming odds and yet at that moment despair gnawed at her heart she was cold and worn and hungry everything was against her the world and so it seemed to her all the people in it at that office piece work was the rule sevenpence per thousand words typed was the amount paid to operators who did the actual work one shilling and upwards was charged to clients if you were skilled and kept at it hard and had luck you might in halcyon days earn a pound a week an entire sovereign that was when you were in favour Madeline orme was out of favour for reasons for one thing she had committed that cardinal offence she was too good-looking mrs griffiths the proprietress with whom good looks had never been a failing could not to use her own words abide those stuck-up painted Judies. and though Madeline was neither stuck-up nor painted nor a judy mrs griffiths was always harder on her than on either of the others what in another was venial in her was criminal ellen rouse for instance might make error after error well argued mrs griffiths it was natural the manuscript was not quite as clear as copperplate who could avoid an occasional mistake but let Madeline orme so much as misplace a comma she was fined although she had reached the bottom line the page was declared useless it had to be typed all over again she was punished for the waste of time so now while the others worked she sat idle earning nothing without a penny in her pocket or the prospect of placing one there the injustice of it all made her heart red-hot within her a manuscript had been given her to type she had started on it bravely even gaily it ran to about eight thousand words it would mean when done that she had earned four shillings and fourpence it was not particularly clearly written and the corrections had been plentifully interlined but if she stuck at it closely she might finish it in the course of the day and then if mrs griffiths were in an agreeable frame of mind she might give her half or even the whole of the four and fourpence when the work was done it seemed to her that with four shillings and fourpence one could do so much she had typed four pages when kate ellis the girl who sat next to her had finished the work she had to do mrs griffiths came and gathered together the scattered pages and presently moved to Madeline, taking up one of the finished sheets she glanced at it she tapped Madeline smartly with her finger tips upon the shoulder what nonsense is this she demanded this isn't sense she was pointing to a line on Madeline's clear copy the girl's response was gentle she deprecated the other's wrath it is difficult to make out what the writer means just there there are so many corrections that it is not easy to decide which is meant to stand see here is the manuscript with her outstretched finger she showed that at the point alluded to the manuscript with such a tangle of interlineations that it was almost impossible to make head or tail of it without paying the slightest heed to the girl's timid explanation she tore the four sheets of copy which represented a couple of hours hard persistent labour first into halves and then into quarters snatching up the manuscript she passed it to kate ellis miss ellis be so good as to type that manuscript and be so good as to make sense of it which miss orme appears unable to do miss orme does not seem to be aware that if manuscripts were as plain as print it would not be necessary to send them here to be typed the action was so unexpected that for some seconds Madeline sat in speechless surprise then she sprang to her feet with a cry mrs griffiths oh mrs griffiths do let me type it i will make sense of it i will i've had nothing at all to do this week it is the first thing you've given me mrs griffiths had reached the door of her own apartment she turned with what was possibly intended to be an air of hauteur and i am sorry i gave you that miss ellis be so good as to type that manuscript she disappeared from sight her disappearance was followed by a chorus from the girls it's a shame cried mary wilson it really is a shame kate you ought to have spoken up you ought to have refused to take the thing when you knew that miss orme was half way through it miss orme was not half way through it rejoined kate calmly and even if she was it's no business of mine it's each for yourself in this world if i had refused to take it mrs griffiths would have had her knife in me i can't afford to throw away my bread and butter Madeline said nothing she could say nothing the incident trivial enough in itself was tragedy to her from her point of view at that moment hardly anything more dreadful could have happened as she had said so far she had had no work to do that week they were not very busy as regards such work as had come in she had been persistently passed over it had been given some one else to do she was absolutely penniless to have had it so near her lips and yet to have had it dashed away that was the cup of tantalus indeed and the injustice of it she had not made an error she was sure of it the error if one there had been had been the author's not hers at any rate mrs griffiths had not stayed to see what was the use of continuing to live in a world in which toil strive struggle as she might there was nothing but hunger hardship and despair the girl sat with clenched fists and flashing eyes with something throbbing in her breast as if her heart would burst presently the office door was thrown open with a little rush some one came hastening in a young man of about twenty-three or twenty-four short slightly built he had an eager intelligent face and shrewd pleasant eyes he was neatly yet poorly dressed there was about him an air of alertness which suggested that he was not of the kind to suffer the grass to grow beneath his feet he carried a black felt hat in one hand and a small bundle of manuscript in the other with which he advanced buoyantly towards madeline Orme. a smile lit up his homely countenance nothing to do madeline that's a stroke of luck i've brought you something which i want you to turn off for me at once the editor of fancies has told me that if i'll knock together a paper on queer trades he'll look at it while i wait and if it suits pay cash upon the nail here's the paper it runs to about three thousand words it's now about one do you think you could let me have it by five then i could catch the editor before he leaves i'll try geoffrey but you know your manuscripts are not the plainest she turned to him with a longing something on her face which because perhaps of his own eagerness went unnoticed he made a little grimace no you're right there i'm afraid they're not providence seems to have denied me the power of writing a legible hand i don't know how it is but so it is but what is my misfortune is the typewriter's boon if all manuscripts were so plain that he who runs might read where would this come in he laid his hand lightly on her machine the blood came to her cheeks his words recalled mrs griffiths's she turned the sheets of his manuscript over with her fingers smiling faintly that is so well geoffrey you don't give me much time but i'll do the best for you i can of course i know you will i wouldn't bustle you only you see this is something extra particular to be quite frank with you the cash will come in uncommonly useful especially if i can lay my hands on it tonight by the way i've got a grand idea one of the best that's been seen in journalism this many a day it won't knock them you take my word i'm going to spring it on the editor of fancies if he accepts that paper which he will do or i'm a dutchman and then i think we'll show them it was pleasant to hear him talk and so Madeline felt although she had heard words of the same sort from the same lips before but there was in the speaker's voice such a note of confidence of assured conviction that it seemed from sheer sympathy to cheer the girl's despairing heart geoffrey clifford was of the try and try again sort failure was nothing to him if at first he did not succeed why he asked who has a right to expect to he would succeed at last of that he was assured he would keep on and on and on until at last the goal was reached it was good for the girl to come in contact with such a nature i won't keep you he cried or i shall be defeating my own purpose you understand i must have it at five he turned to go just then the inner door opened mrs griffiths appeared mr clifford is that you he faced her with a laugh it looks as if it were her manner was as acid as his was genial i presume you have come to pay that small account of yours he pulled a wry face i will pay you this evening or the first thing in the morning indeed it has been standing some time i would rather you paid it now i have brought a manuscript which i have asked Madeline to type for me by five it's for fancies i'm going to take it right away i shall be paid cash down and then you shall have your money she looked him up and down her tone was biting do i understand you to say that you have brought a manuscript for miss orme to type without paying what you already owe you shall have it to-night or the first thing in the morning it's only five shillings precisely the fact of the amount being so small is one reason why we should like you to let us have it now i am afraid i can't let you have it at this moment but as i say you shall have it at latest in the morning very good where is that manuscript she took it from madeline's unwilling fingers when mr clifford you have settled the small account which is outstanding we shall be pleased to do more work for you our terms are cash she held out to him the manuscript he looked at her askance but i can't settle with you until that manuscript is accepted and paid for i assure you mrs griffiths if you will have it typed for me so that i can catch the editor of francie's before he goes you shall have your money safe enough we do not want your promises mr clifford we want your cash our terms i repeat are cash here is your manuscript if it is of any value to you good day madeline interposed eagerly i will type it for him mrs griffiths if you will let me and charge you nothing for it if he promises to pay you i'm sure he will you forget yourself miss orme this office is mine not yours don't show your face here again mr clifford except to pay your bill we must decline to do any more work for you under any circumstances with a comical grimace and a ghost of a smile towards madeline he slipped the manuscript into his pocket and went so soon as his back was turned mrs griffiths opened the vials of her wrath on the offending girl your behaviour miss orme is disgraceful you appear to have no proper sense of your position who are you to speak to me as if you were the employer and i the employed you are the most ill-conducted and useless person i have ever had in my office and how dare you allow such a penniless and impudent fellow like that clifford to address you publicly by your christian name and a most theatrical one it is. He is my foster brother, your foster brother. Indeed, we all know what foster brothers are, they're like cousins. I once had a servant who, whenever I caught a more than usually doubtful looking fellow with her in the kitchen, declared that it was her foster brother. The girls giggled. Madeline went fiery red. Since, however, you claim Mr. Clifford as a species of relation, I feel sure you will feel in duty bound to pay his debts of course you will not object to my stopping the amount he owes me from the next piece of work you do mrs griffiths retired to her own apartment leaving madeline quivering in every nerve the girl's glances did not add to her sense of comfort they eyed her as if she were a peep-show ellen rouse did not confine herself to glances i don't see miss orme she said spitefully how you can object to pay what mr clifford owes since you offered to type his manuscript for nothing kate ellis struck in with a remark which was if anything more spiteful still that was rather a nasty one about Madeline being a theatrical sort of christian name is it your real name miss Orme? Madeline looked at the speaker with eyes which were eloquent but her tongue was still while she sat there with panting breast and crimson cheeks and heart that burned and they looked and laughed at her and mocked all three together once more the office door was opened and another man came in at the sight of him there instantly was silence he was a young fellow probably only just out of his teens but there was about him a something which seemed intended to convey the suggestion that he was older than he seemed and in some respects undoubtedly he was his hair was very fair and very short and there was not much of it it was parted exactly in the middle so that there seemed precisely the same number of hairs on either side which hairs adhered so very closely to his scalp that one could not but suspect that they must have been plastered down with soap his eyes which were bloodshot looked out of long narrow slits his nose was large there was a twist about the bridge which hinted that at some period of his career it had been broken his mouth was wide when he opened it there was a liberal display of enormous teeth which were not precisely white his attire was from his own point of view in the height of fashion he wore a gardenia in the buttonhole of a short jacket which was of some peculiarly irritating shade of slaty blue a flowered waistcoat and copious trousers of a beautiful pearl-gray the bottoms of these latter garments were turned up so as to exhibit to the best advantage a pair of light-brown shoes his collar was of the turned down all-round variety the ends of a parti-colored silk necktie which was arranged in a beautiful bow straggling in artistic disorder over the bosom of his soft blue shirt he wore a brown billycock very much on the side of his head a half-consumed cigar was sticking out of the corner of his mouth he carried a pair of yellow dog-skin gloves in his large and red right hand and a crooked bamboo cane dangled over his arm this was augustus dauncey griffiths his mother's only darling and in that mother's opinion the smartest young man in town there were one or two other persons who thought him tolerably smart with reason but they used the word in a different sense to his parent he entered the office without thinking it necessary to remove his hat or his cigar and so soon as he was in he struck an attitude he passed the whole of his time in striking attitudes but that is by the way oh you darlings you dears you pets where's the dragon ellen rouse took upon herself to answer he was her cousin she would have gone through fire and water for him and worse as a natural consequence he treated her as if she were the dirt beneath his feet it being the custom with men of his sort to so use the women who love them aunt is in her room is she then let her stop there Nelly, dear oh you sweets you pretty things you little ducks and aren't you working of course when i come in before i showed my nose inside that door there wasn't a finger moving only tongues think i don't know you oh you loves he looked at madeline hullo venetian red you're doing nothing you lazy girl i'm ashamed of you why are you doing nothing to earn your bread and butter is it because it's a principle of yours that the less you do the more you get it is so anyhow especially if you are a pretty girl he went close to her she perceptibly shrinking from him as he did so do you know how the venetian women used to get their hair your color they used to sit on the roofs of the houses in the hottest suns of summer with their hair spread out on sheets of brass all round them at least so the story goes by jove you have got hair do you know my dear that locks like yours are as good as a fortune it's truth so help me i know a girl whose thatch isn't a patch on yours who gets five quid a week from the cerulean for just coming on to the stage with it hanging all over her shoulders and the other girls tug at it just to show the folks in front it's real facts upon my city and as for a face and figure why there isn't a professional beauty anywhere who can hold a torch to you upon my word there isn't the dragon don't know what a prize she's got or she'd try you at some better lay than tapping those corn raising keys look here Madeline, it isn't often i give myself away but i'll give you this gardenia for a kiss fair sweet frank and free mind and it cost eighteen pence upon my honour and you girls can turn your heads aside mr augustus dauncey griffiths one loves to give such a gentleman his name in full had come close enough to Madeline to enable him to put his hand upon her shoulder she shook it from her as if it had been the touch of some noxious insect turning to him with cheeks which were white enough now and eyes which flamed though hot enough within her tone was icy have the goodness not to touch me mr griffiths and though i esteem your offer at its full value i fear that it is one which i must respectfully decline the gentleman was not in the least nonplussed on the contrary he threw up his hands in an attitude of what was meant for admiration by jove just look at her my dear you're a duchess by nature i give you my word you are put a hundred pounds worth of clothes on you and ten thousand pounds worth of diamonds drop you down among the duchesses at the queen's drawing-room and you would cop the biscuit from the entire shoot. i know what i'm talking about and i'll tell you straight you would now don't be a fool my dear don't you know which side your bread is buttered if you won't sell that kiss give it us for nothing that's the time of day my sweet suddenly he had his arms about her neck and if it had not been for madeline's agility he would have pressed his hideous lips to hers but slipping from his grasp rising from her chair turning she confronted him with eyes in which there were lightning fires how dare you be careful before you have cause to regret it mr augustus Stauncy griffiths showed not the faintest sign of discomposure he smiled as if he supposed she was jesting take it fighting will you like some of the girls do when they're caught a kiss in the ring all right i don't mind it won't be the first kiss i've bought at the price of a little scuffle she was standing with her back to her typewriter he threw himself on to her and endeavouring to avoid him she was borne backwards on to the machine there was a sound of something snapping and at that same moment mrs griffiths appeared at the door of her room augustus she exclaimed what is the meaning of this to all outward appearance her hopeful son was still completely at his ease his volubility never for a moment forsook him by jove mother i don't know i do not i don't want to tell tales goodness knows but i came in here and i-i found this young lady arguing or quarrelling or something with miss ellis really miss ellis perhaps you had better explain to my mother he winked at kate ellis who frigidly replied i don't wish to say anything thank you mr griffiths miss orme is a person i don't understand and don't pretend to there you are mother you see how it is then she started with Nelly, didn't she Nelly? ellen rouse looked at madeline as if she would have liked to kill her where she stood her words were in sympathy with her looks miss orme is always quarrelling with some one always it's my opinion she's not fit to sit in the same room with respectable girls and so i'll say straight out in the presence of aunt that's how it is mother you see and now i rather fancy the young lady has broken her machine broken her machine mrs griffiths rushed forward roused at last she brushed madeline on one side as if she were nothing at all so she has Two three keys destroyed utterly, the machine is ruined. She turned on the girl in a towering rage. You you baggage, you worthless creature, who is to pay me for the damage you have done, Madeline. Her brain in a whirl tried her best to beat the woman's passion. I did not do it. It was your son. The young gentleman in question strode up to her with an amount of assurance which was, in its way, unique i did it you lie if you were a man i would knock you down there as you stand it is only because you are a woman that you dare to utter such an atrocious falsehood mother i fear this is a dangerous person miss ellis did i break that machine you never touched it of course you didn't cried ellen rouse you never had anything to do with it but that's just like her to try to lay the blame on someone else she's wicked through and through i've half a mind declared mrs griffiths to send for a policeman and to give you into custody for destroying my property her son laid his hand upon her arm he played the part of peacemaker don't do that mother there'll only be a scandal and you'll get nothing out of her you'd better get rid of her as quietly as you can at once i suppose you're right i'll be bound the creature has nothing but the rags upon her back to call her own miss orme put your things on and take yourself outside my office and never set your foot in it again you may think yourself lucky to get off so easily Madeline looked round her bewildered as if she felt these things must be happening to her in a dream but mrs griffiths you're mistaken You are being guilty of a great injustice i've done nothing nothing it is your son mr augustus dauncy griffiths threw his hands and eyes up towards the ceiling in an attitude of astounded virtue his mother's passion flamed anew she went to where the girl's scanty garments were hanging on a peg and snatching them off it she flung them at her you bare-faced, smooth-tongued insolent lying hussy put on those rags of yours and take yourself away if you're not gone in half a minute i'll put you out with my own hands from her looks the lady meant what she said her son always with an air of virtue endeavoured to appease her hush mother this person is unworthy even your contempt i am sure if she reflects a moment she will herself perceive that it would be advisable not to stand upon the order of her going madeline looked at the speaker with a look which should have scorched him as with flame but it did not he had his back towards his mother he met the girl's glances with a wink and a smile her tone was deadly cold i am of your opinion that it would be advisable that i should not stand upon the order of my going she put on her shabby jacket with trembling fingers adjusted her well-worn hat while the others watched her with grinning scornful triumphant eyes and just as she was about to move towards the door with feet which faltered it was flung open with a flourish and to their amazement they beheld a gorgeous vision in the shape of a towering footman in a resplendent livery of scarlet blue and silver he ushered in a little old gentleman who entered hat in hand with an air of the utmost eagerness at sight of Madeline, he broke into a chorus of exclamations thank god it's her in the very nick of time it's a miracle nothing less he addressed himself to the girl with the bearing of the extremest deference my dear young lady will you permit me to entreat you to come with me at once it is a matter of life and death and the carriage waits for us below the girl drew back in not unnatural surprise i do not know you there is some misunderstanding you take me for some one else both the stranger's eagerness and deference became if possible greater than before there is no mistake i entreat you with all my heart and soul my dear young lady to believe that there is no mistake if you would avoid a grievous and irreparable calamity i implore you with all the strength of which i am capable to come without a moment's hesitation with me at once all necessary explanations shall be given you at the proper time only come my dear young lady come mrs griffiths interposed rudely i fancy sir you are making a blunder i feel it only right to tell you that this young person is one of my operators whom i have just discharged for serious misconduct the stranger drew himself up a little as if he resented the lady's interference he glanced towards her with a look of inquiry then he bestowed on her a slight a courteous inclination of his head the fashion of his reply proving him to be a very dignified old gentleman indeed i am obliged to you for your information which however was unasked i think madam that the blunder is yours not mine in matters of a certain sort it is not my wont to blunder or i should not now be occupying the position which i do i have been despatched to bear this young lady post-haste on an affair of the first importance to the Countess of staines, End of Chapter One.